first of all, all the power of conversation. You've very clearly untapped in our conversation and in the conversations you've had with other people is the power, the opportunity, the, the inspiration, the ideas that exist when you create the space to have a conversation, when you're mm. not going from one thing to the other and the willingness to go deep. So what I'm thinking about is how do I get more of these style of conversations into as part of my cadence of work? Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. We are live and happening, everybody. I have an amazing friend and colleague, really, as well, on the decision table today. So I'm excited. I've just come off a, a team meeting, so nothing like coming, oh, you know, sort of sliding into the, the next thing. And then we had some few little technical issues, so hopefully they're sorted now. But welcome to the decision table. And, you know, it's interesting because... This year, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts. I'm, I'm thinking where we're going to go first, but like just for the listeners that are here, you know, these are casual conversations where I often think I'm so spoiled because I get to have amazing conversation with amazing leaders from across the globe and other people miss out on those, those gems, those insights that are often not shared on open platforms. But I really want the decision table to be a place where it's safe for us to have a conversation. There's no judgment. There's lots of rabbit holes we go down. There's lots of, you know, interesting thoughts that come up from it and and then just see what we take from that at the end of it and it's been amazing you know I've done this every day this year so that's what we're day 21 so I've done 21 days of consistently of the decision table which is huge you know what that's like when you have to be consistently doing things but it's been amazing amazing people here and I'm looking forward to our conversation today Janine I think that there's so much that we talk about offline that, you know, will be interesting bringing it more into an open platform. You know, you did warn me not to talk about a couple of things. So I'm just really tempted to talk about those things right now. But uh, I'm holding back right this moment. And it's, it's, it's you know, the, it's painful, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, when you said rabbit holes, I'm like, oh my God, the rabbit holes we go to during our conversations. We don't want to go there. I'm not sure everyone needs to hear some of those rabbit hole conversations. All right, all right. So just pull me back if we go down too many of those crazy rabbit holes. But here's the thing across the globe new leadership over in the US. Huge day. Oh my gosh. Day. I haven't even had time to catch up on it all yet. I've just been seeing yeah. a few things come through on my feed of the little snippets from the ceremony. It's, it is, it's huge. It's, I've gone from James Corden's absolutely hilarious Les Miserables piss take around one more day to friends posting pictures from the inauguration. It's, it is. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. now? Exactly. Look, here's the thing. New leader in place. 
who knows where it goes. We know things don't change overnight because someone else has stepped in too. And I think, you know, this is kind of a beautiful segue into why I really want to see this month as using the lens of what I really truly believe, which is the need for a new approach to leadership. Let's hope whether you are left or right wing that the person in place in the US right now has an opportunity to bring change and change that I know from a lot of my good, good friends in the USA that they are looking forward to and and change that is going to bring collaborative or collective thinking rather than division. Um, and that is much needed, whether you're in the USA or whether you're across the globe. What are you seeing as sort of an insight, I guess, to or what does it bring up maybe? When, when I say the need for a new approach to leadership? Well, I think it's one of those never ending how long is a piece of string conversations Excellent. and questions, to be honest, Karimari, because the reality is, you know, who would have thought we'd be here in the year 2021? You know, when you look at the year that we've come through, we're very aware and there's been lots and lots of conversations about everything that's going on at a macro level. You know, the obviously the pandemic, the impact that that's having economically around the globe. What we've not yet seen is the impact socially, the impact on poverty levels, the increasing gap between the wealthy and the poor, you know, people's impact in terms of them very rapidly losing wealth and security. And I don't think we've yet seen the impact of that. And so when we talk about a new level of leadership, I don't think it's as black and white as we've got to do this for this. I think new our new leaders or leaders themselves, every single one of us actually, because whether you're talking a macro level or a micro level in terms of your family, your business, your clients, all of these things are having an impact on every single person in multiple different ways. There is no one size fits all. And so this is the challenge of leadership, right? The challenge is how as a leader, when prior to the year 2020, really everything was pretty sorted. As much as we thought we were facing challenges, as much as that we thought that we were trying to disrupt norm and step out of comfort zone, the reality is the vibration level was probably only about that. But overnight in 2020, we literally went, wow! Oh my God, what do I do now? And and then we may get a bit normal and then it's like, wow, there's something else. And and that's continued yeah. 21. So as leaders. Oh, you mean yeah. it didn't just change overnight, like 2020 or done, 21. The reality is, I think, yeah. you know, the, the biggest challenge for all of us is how do each and every single one of us operate as leaders of ourselves in an environment that is constantly, constantly changing. We have never mm-hmm. been here before. You know, we have never lived in in terms of our generation living right now in a period of time where there has been such significant upheaval globally. As I said, economically, socially, health perspective, macro down to micro. We've never lived. Yeah, so the gap like is widening before. is what we're saying. Massively. The gap is widening and there's no proof. You know, there is no book that's been written that has told anyone how to navigate all of these changes that are happening all at once. There is no MBA. There is no case study. There's no white paper. There is no, here's the... Because we're writing that book. We're living that book right now, right? Totally. And so, so the biggest challenge of new leaders is actually 
the fact that there is no rule book, our ability to be so solid in our conviction, in our empath, in our ability to look outside the box, to get curious, to test, to try, to ask questions, you know, all of this stuff that isn't as black and white as it should be to allow us to move with the constant changes. And I think, you know, when I look around, there's, I've spoken to leaders around the world who have actually said the people that they thought would step up, that had these skills to be flexible, to adapt, yeah. to change, to try, to fail, to be curious, haven't actually been able to cope because how they led was by the seven easy steps too. This is the book about leadership that I am following. I must do step one, two, three, or four, but you can't do step one, two, three, or four when everything around you is constantly changing. And you know, we saw it here in Australia. If you look at how people were feeling towards the end of last year, the reality was we were getting quite complacent. We were in a good place. Um, yeah. The numbers were low. We were starting to book our holidays and starting to plan Christmas. And then, wham, we had this second wave that hit us. And some, it's like, ah! And it was like this reality check that you can't take anything for granted. So there's the challenge of, of new leaders of how do you operate? How do you grow? How do you inspire? How do you motivate? How do you move quickly? when everything around you is such a moving feast and then throw into that the fact that every individual is experiencing this as on an individual basis, whether it is worried about their finances, whether it's worried about their kids, whether it's worried about mental health, whether it's worried about job security, whether it's worried about parents overseas, whether it's worrying about you know people that are dying and sick, every single individual is currently navigating this in their own individual way. And so suddenly as leaders, we're having to deal with hundreds, if not thousands of multiple moving parts. And I think it's that's the challenge. How do you do that? Firstly, how do you think leaders are doing with that as a challenge? I think some are doing really well and some are doing really badly. Um, and it's yeah. fascinating to to watch what's going on. I so, mean, so tell me the well first. What are some of the good things that are coming out from it? The people that I'm seeing that are doing it well have almost to some extent surrendered to time. Mm. So surrendered to this need to have really strict strategic plans and 90-day timelines and milestones and they've actually surrendered more to this is our now plan this is our next plan this is our later plan yeah. they've created environments where people feel okay that was good i want to hear what she had to say by the way, we talk about this a lot now, next and later. I think that is such a good point that Janine brings out and I'm sure she'll come back on. Oh, here she comes. Oh, it's gone silent on us, Janine. We can see you talking um, and it's she's got it on mute now. You may want to come back in and out and I can pull you back in if that's easier. I'm all good. Uh, but, you know, one of those things on the now, next, later, I think is such an important piece that you know, this gap can be seen as that it's widening because of the challenges that we're all seeing across the globe right now. And one of the ways is to go, 
what are the challenges that you are seeing in what you're doing and how does that work and where does that fit into is that a now thing that we need to cope with is that a next thing is that a later thing and i think that we are having to ensure that those things that once were bigger leaps that we could move forward into that now we're pulling that back and making much smaller steps and having to set things to make sure that we are shifting in the right direction. Anyway, Janine, you were saying you're on mute right now, so you need to unmute it, but I think you're back here and happening. Oh, we can't hear her. Have you pulled a cord out? I don't lip read, although it looks pretty cool. No, no is what she's saying, but oh, it was so good. So good. Now, next, later. I'm trying to see if I can. I can see. And so, like I said, those those bigger things are things that where it was bigger shifts that we were making, bigger jumps, bigger leaps, and now having to be smaller. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? I'd love to hear or um, any questions around what you're seeing as leaders. Are you seeing this division between the gaps widening between the challenges that we see, whether across the globe, the social, the economic, the uh, environmental what are you seeing that is is widening that gap? And then what are you seeing leaders doing to help begin to shift that? And I think that's part of this new this need for a new approach is the ability to be able to navigate, as Janina said, the times of uncertainty. And I, th I think that those that are going to be sustainable throughout this period, one of the ways in which you can be doing that and stepping into that is by, you know, being able to navigate an uncertain pathway. And I think there's some things that are certainty. And I think part of that certainty comes to the fact that there is certainty that your vision doesn't change, the bigger picture of what you're wanting to do the core things, but often the pathway to get that happening changes because of the uncertainty of the pathway ahead. And it's how quickly you can navigate. You know, it's, it goes back to that conversation I'm always talking about, which is I think a lot of old style is that we had a model and this is how we do business. This is how we run organizations. This is the way we do things in life. And we have to think of it less as a model, less as a proven thing to going, how can we have this evolving ecosystem that each one of us are a part of? And how do we navigate when we have to change. And because we've got different pathways that make up this ecosystem that is a part of who we are and, and what we do, then we're able to then be able to navigate and go down a different pathway if something comes along that we weren't expecting. Because here's the one thing that we have got certainty ahead of us, and that is that we're going to face challenges. You know, we talked about 2020 and the fact that, you know, there were a lot of things in 2020 that were massive challenges that hit a lot of people across the globe. That doesn't change overnight. But how we navigate that can change knowing now what challenges might be facing us as an ongoing thing, as our new norm. And I think this is kind of an interesting thing. Janine, have we got any more sound coming out of you? 
The other option is that you pull out headphones. If you've got headphones in, sometimes that can play a play a problem on these things. We've got to love technology. I I always, you know, one one thing I did when when I was traveling the world as a we called it the the nomad CEO and was always when you had commitments like coming on places like this or podcasts and you were like, I'm not sure what the technology is going to be like in the place that I'm going to be in. And we would be, you know, I'd be on an island somewhere in the Philippines and and maybe we were working with team over there for what we would call tribal. And uh, you'd have those moments where you're just like, okay, I'm holding the phone up at this angle. We're having this conversation. I hope that it continues the whole way through because if I move to the left, it's going to stop happening. So these fun things of technology. What are you seeing? What are you seeing as the need? You know, I talk a lot on here of, and that's the lens we're using over this month is the decision DNA, uh, sorry, decision table series. Like we are looking through the lens of this need for a new approach to leadership. What are you seeing as a leader in your arena, your sphere of influence? What are you seeing as maybe some of these things that could be beneficial, add value to leadership as we go forward. Because it's easy often to see what is not working. It's often easy to see problems. It's often easy to say, wow, there's just so many challenges that that gap has just grown so big. It's not so easy to go, how do we now navigate that? How do we now change that? What would that need to look like? And I think that's that's often the challenge, right? Is where we we really struggle when we have to navigate and and do things that are different. What do you like when things are not quite the same way that you're used to? I know as a perfectionist, I'm a I'm a reformed pe- perfectionist. In other words, there was a time when I needed everything, and I mean everything to look the same, to be perfect before I put it out, that I wanted, I was so, I was so nervous about saying the wrong things. I was so scared that if I said something, someone might take that wrong and then you'll feel really different about me. And I know that that held me back for a long time because I never had anything perfect. Maybe you're really good at having everything perfect. I'm not. I make so many mistakes. And so one of the things that I had to do as a perfectionist was I literally set myself a task for a year, one whole year, where I engaged in failure and I had to embrace failure. Do you know how hard that was? Do you know how, like, absolutely challenging that was for me i hated oh i can hear sound i hated things like failure right so i spent a year and it increased to a year and a half of embracing failure because i realized for me to become a reformed i was talking about being a ref i'm a reformed perfectionist where and i think and as as this new approach to leadership with uncertainty as part of the pathway ahead that we can't and we're not going to have it all perfect. It's not all going to work out the way we want it to every time sort of thing, you know. So I had to embrace failure and now 
I just know, like I said, that there are some certainties across our pathway ahead. We know that we're going to face some challenges, but are you prepared as best as you can be for whatever challenges may you may face? And the other one is, well, you know, you're going to fail. If you're going to be taking risks, if, if you're going to be doing things differently, it's pioneering new ways and that's not always going to work out right. So are you ready to make some failures? Are you ready to I was going to say stuff it up, but I know that's kind of an Aussie thing. Are you ready to to ruin things and f- to innovate something new and then realize that that's not, I don't know, not actually the way we want to to do that and, and that's not going to be effective for the result we want at the table? Those are the things I had to kind of go, oh, my goodness, I either can not do something, something and not get momentum and not start moving forward or I can just do that and then learn to navigate down different pathways. All right. I don't know if or where you're at. So I'd love feedback, whether, you know, in the comments, what are, what are you experiencing? What are you seeing? Are you adaptable? Are you agile when it comes to bringing change into you and on an uncertain pathway? What do you think when you, when you hear that, that concept of an uncertain pathway ahead, what does that bring up in you? Are you good at that stuff? Have you got things that, strategies that help you to navigate that in a better way? I'd love feedback on that. I'd love some thoughts. And I think we've got Janine back up again. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Girl, it's all good. These things happen, right? Well, it's exactly what we were talking about, the adaptive challenge of 2021 and things constantly changing. Um, Can you hear me? I can everything out and I'm just going through the computer. Perfect. Hey, Beck says an uncertain pathway to me equals opportunity. I love that. Mm. I love that. I've actually said to quite a few clients uh, recently, you know, that feeling where you're almost slightly scared about what's next and if you buy into the fear, it, it actually fuels the procrastination or if you buy into the lack of confidence, it stops you in your tracks. And I've actually been trying to get people to reframe it, to go maybe that feeling of nerves, maybe that feeling of fear, maybe that feeling of uh, lack of confidence is actually a signal that you're on the right track to try something new in this period of uncertainty we've absolutely got to dig deep and try new things it's It's funny it's funny because you say the fear and I've heard that so many times on the decision table already but for me when I hear uncertainty it actually stirs up in me literally what Beck said opportunity for me it goes oh finally we've got possibility of doing something different to innovate a new way I can tell you the last two weeks my brain has gone crazy with innovation because I'm like, uh, you know, I'm I'm having these conversations where I'm saying there's this n- need for a new approach. So all of a sudden, I got, my brain's really opening up to going, oh, what could that look like? How could we do this really differently? When people say on here, we need to be leaders that bring more empathy in our leadership. Oh, what does that really mean if we were to innovate new ways to bring that as a lens? Okay, so so there's a lot of uncertainty. So if we were to bring some certainty into the pathway of an uncertain pathway, what does that really mean? And then there's other conversations around 
ego. It's like I reckon a lot of the systems that were sort of created and became very much the systemic way in which we have done old style leadership. And now, and there's a lot of conditioning around that and biases. Now, if we want to have that as something that's stopping us, what could we create? What could we do together? Like, how can I be a leader? And then I bring it right back to me and I go, how can I bring this as as a truth, not just a hope for in yeah. leadership? Well, what if you gave yourself permission to do things differently? I think it's that permission piece, which is yeah. what some interpret as the fear that stops them. It's the permission, permission granted, as one of my great mates, Donna McGeorge, talks about of giving yourself permission to do things differently, giving yourself permission to change things up, giving yourself permission to think differently, to explore, to be curious. I mean, I think I think there's 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 four key things that all of us need to work on when we're thinking about this new level of leadership or this new age of leadership and that curiosity piece. And it's not thinking outside the box. You know, it's, it's for me, if I think about 2021, I've actually gone, what do I want to let go of from last year? What did I end mm, up doing? I like that, let go of, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. there were any things that I ended up doing last year because of circumstance, because of like many people having to absolutely reshape the business, having to suddenly bring everything into the home, having to do keynotes, through a screen, having to deal with my own. And, you know, for me, I was crazily sometimes getting up in the middle of the night to do keynotes because suddenly I had a global audience. And actually, by the time I got to the end of the year, I was exhausted because I'd actually worked harder than ever before. So, So part of me going, what do I want to let go of next year is going, okay, some things aren't going to change. So actually it's up to me to decide what I'm going to say yes to and no to. Yes. I'm not going to let go of. And that that is part of that curiosity that actually then fuels the, okay, how am I going to do this? If I'm going to say no to that, if I'm going to not work those hours, if I'm going to put more space into my calendar to think, how am I going to innovate the way I work? That doesn't happen overnight. So the curiosity piece... A lot of it is what you're talking about too, this permission to get curious. Mm-hmm. Oh, where are the gaps of opportunity in all of this that we actually can create, lead, live, work in whatever way we want to? Should we choose? I'm hearing a lot of people that are going, I'm not sure if I want to go back into the office. I'm not sure I want to go back to working how I did. This has worked for me. How do I now negotiate with the company about keeping these systems in place for me you know it's all still all over the place. okay so I do have to say in here because I get that and I you know more than ever I get this side of it and I totally I mean this is why we're having these conversations and 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 it's funny because one of the the conversations we had on here we really we felt that was part of this new leadership was a curious, you know, we were asking curious conversations. But here's the thing that I see a lot of. So I ask a lot of questions. Yep, I'm guilty as charged. I ask questions not because I want to take you in a direction. I really, truly don't. Yet much of in the past, when people have asked questions, it's so you go a certain way to take them somewhere. So already there's a belief that when I ask questions, 
I am now trying to take you somewhere, Janine, and I want you to talk about this certain thing. That's why I'm asking the question. Do you know how many times I get asked? And, you know, a, a part of my world is in the coaching industry as well. So coaches is one of the worst at this. What are you trying to say, Karen Marie? <laughs> I'm actually not trying to say anything. I really, truly want to learn about you and I want to gain new insights and the only way I know how to do that is by asking questions how do we change that how do, how do we change what the ability to ask I don't questions? know like without people already going well you're just asking questions because yeah. part of being curious is asking more questions and and different questions and then listening and and taking that conversation somewhere but if we're not you know, there's a few things that stop us if we're not allowed to say, have conversations, because what if we're going to insult the other person at the table? Because that's not how we do it anymore. Or, you know, I, I have to say that, that I know that some people identify with different genders and, and the way that you're meant to say he, she, I, I get it. And I don't, I, I identify as Kiri Murray. Like I really do. I'm a I'm a woman. I'm a she. Uh, whatever it is. And and I don't care if you don't say that. I know who I am. And and if you don't say it right because you didn't even know that or you had no understanding that that's how I think or what I'm thinking about. I'm not going to hold that because all of a sudden if I do hold that back, I'm stopping from us even having a conversation because I tell you, I'm an introvert. So like if I have to have a conversation that I'm like, what if I say the wrong thing? I don't have those conversations. I really don't. And so where do we go from here? If curiosity is part of this, but curiosity isn't the way the world is accepting in a lot of ways how we have a conversation. Well, it's sort of, are we talking about that they're around this concept of judgment too because oh, yeah. if, you, if you are so busy worrying about yourself that actually you're not attention out at all, you're so attention in that it doesn't matter how many questions you ask, you because you're so worrying about yourself, you're unconsciously putting your own judgments on the answers. Mm. Or, because it, because it could be perceived that it's not even the way others are thinking. That's right. And so, mm. and so we talk about curiosity, we talk about asking questions, but it's so much deeper and so much harder as you're inferring because you've got to be very aware of where your own biases and your own, your own mm -hmm. unconsciousness are kicking in. And, you know, I've been working really hard on this because it is about what is really behind that question? What's really going on? Exactly. And I'm not being worried. I mean, maybe this is part of the challenge too about we're all trying to be so politically correct. Yeah. If the intention actually is one of human-to-human -human contact, curiosity about you as a human, then I should be able to have my own judgment corrected in terms of not knowing that I'm insulting, affecting, Correct. whatever. I'm and that's, that's, that's that respect side of it. So we understand that piece, yeah. But, yeah, I think this is part of the, you know, without realising it, we instantly put our own interpretation to answers or to mm -hmm. questions. So maybe it's around the interpretation, right? I think it's judgment. I think it's interpretation. And I think mm -hmm. curiosity is a willingness to get out of your own way 
and to get out of your own head and to almost be prepared to have your own judgment suspended and corrected to be brave enough to go deeper. And that's not something we don't learn. We don't learn that stuff. You know, it's having, for example, I remember uh, I've got a my little man, Carter, who is a crazy, crazy rugby player. By the way, he's not that little either, but yes. He's massive. (laughs) I can still remember he was about six or seven and he was busy training at his local rugby team. And uh, Taya, my daughter, was sat beside of me. The boys, because it was an all-boys team running up and down the pitch, the coach, who has three boys, shouted out at the kids, Come on, boys, stop running like your granny. Stop running like women. Get going like this. <laughs> and Taya looked at me. It would have been about eight or nine at the time. She looked at me and I could see her going, Mom, what what's he talking about running like a girl, running like a granny? And what's he talking mm-hmm. And I, I went, this is a moment where I can either take some action on it or I can let it go. Anyway, I turned mm-hmm. to the coach and I said, do you realize what you've just said? He went, no, 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 I didn't. And I replayed the story. Now, here's the thing, right? He is one of loads of boys. Mm. He's a player. He's got boys. Mm. He's never had in his world a young daughter that he has to be aware of the world that he's going into. Yeah. I could have blasted him. But instead, it was one of one of my key principles is we have to lead. But part of leading above the line is we we lead from a place of love, which is about leading and teaching always. So as opposed to going on to the attack, this was a learning opportunity to teach him, to teach me and to teach my daughter. And essentially, I just went, this is what's happened. This is the interpretation uh, maybe what curious about. I reckon for about five matches, the same thing happened because it was in conscious wow. bias. Instead of me getting angry, though, I just kept saying, you've done it again, you've done it mm. again, you've done it again. I reckon about the sixth time he started and then he looked at me, he corrected mm-hmm. me, and that's a behavior change. What's really interesting, a couple of years later, we were at some rugby club dinner thing and I heard him tell him this story. It was on the back of the movement. And he said, you know what? And I heard him talking to her dad. He said, I didn't realize that I had this unconscious bias. I thought I was really supportive as a leader, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It was only when this mother pointed it out to me. But she did it from such a place of love and curiosity that I realized that I had to change my own behavior. She didn't attack me. She didn't judge me. She just went, hey, not sure you realize what you've just done, but. And I'm so grateful that she made that point. And so that's that's where we've got to, instead of instantly judging and fighting and battling and disagreeing and going into creating this tension where people go I'm not listening this is all about me I'm in protection mode we're actually brave enough to be curious to learn about ourselves as much as learning about other people and that's the challenge of humanity across the Mm -hmm. globe in your own family within your own community because it requires you to have your own judgment suspended there's another great example of this I was lucky enough to 
meet this incredible guy when I was at Harvard a couple of years ago, a guy called Ron Harvey. Ron is a retired veteran and uh, he'd served in uh, Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And he tells the story about coming back from serving. And he got redeployed into uh, middle America to recruit new cadets. And he told this story, and we're in this, we're in this universe, we're literally in this training room in Harvard, and the, the training rooms at Harvard are like your traditional university rooms, you're all stacked up like this, they even mm. blackboard, and he's standing up, this guy, he's probably in his 50s, 60s now, telling this story about as a 20-odd-year-old, he gets redeployed to recruit cadets, and he enters in middle America, turns up at this village, dressed in his uniform with his medals to go and meet this one particular person that wants to join the forces. He mm. knocks on the door and the mother opens the door and the mother says to him, you can talk to my son, but you will never be allowed in my house. Wow. Ron stood there and he realized that because he was black, the color of his skin mm. was judgment into this mother and he said to me he said Janine I had a choice to make then he said I was angry inside I was angry I'd just come back from war I'd seen my mates killed I'd seen other mates injured I'm serving the country and you are killing me because of the color of my skin and he said I had a choice the choice was to battle or the choice was to lead from a place of love Mm. as I turned to this woman this mother and he said that's okay mom I'm happy to speak to one in the car. Ron goes back to the car. The son comes out, gets in the car, and the son's angry. He's so angry at his behavior. Then Ron goes to the son and says, I'm sorry, you're not right yet. You're not ready yet to join the forces because in the defense, respect of your elders is one of the most critical things that you learn. You're showing me you have no respect for your mother. Anyway, many years later, or a couple of years later, this young son ends up joining the forces. And here's where it changed. This mother rang Ron and actually mm-hmm. said to Ron, thank you. She said, I have seen my son respect somebody as much as he respects you. And I realized I judged you and I wasn't willing to listen because my unconscious bias, which goes back way, was... Mm-hmm. I couldn't listen to you for the color of your skin. I want to apologize and I want to invite you to join me in the house for dinner. And they subsequently maintained this relationship. And as Ron said, he said in that moment, he realized that this woman was prepared to have her own judgment challenged. Mm-hmm. He learned to become that better person. And so it takes two. And this moment, Karima, it was incredible because as he was sharing this story, it brought up me like I bawled my eyes out in the middle mm. of the story because it brought up for me all of the unconscious stuff that I hadn't realized had been planted in me in the way that I was raised I was yeah. and all of all of this stuff and this realization of why I do the work I do why I'm constantly battling for the, mm. for the, the dog why I want people to step up and it's all because it, he literally joined the dots through teaching through his story and I think as leaders to bring this back to the decision table and leaders Mm -hmm. that's what we've got to do we've got to go I may have learned this so far I may have all these qualifications I may Mm -hmm. have 
business. I may have been successful, but mm-hmm. the world has changed and I've got to be brave enough to relearn, to re-educate, to reprocess, to get curious about how do I need to change too to mm. navigate the world. Yeah, and and this kind of brings me back to a lot of what I think is one of the first fundamentals of to being a leader with a new approach, and that is to create awareness. And I think that what you are bringing to the table is is some of the lenses in which awareness now brings some some filters like respect, no judgment. I, I think of the 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 respect side of it, and I go. Have we lost some of that respect, you know, like for someone else that maybe because of our unconscious biases that we had some of those things and we went into these silos of people who look like us, sound like us, and we're going to keep us, you know, going on the on the pathway ahead because let's stick with the people that are going to be support, supporting us and, and getting us to that spot. And it became us, us, us as a me, me, me. And I think, have we lost some of that with the respect for maybe when we have a human at the table that thinks differently, sounds differently, looks differently, they may come and they may bring a different aspect to something, a different perspective. But we're not even respecting that maybe that's, that's a, I don't know, what is it about it? And, and why are we losing that respect? Like, and, and do you even think that maybe we are? I, I see it a lot in leadership. You know, I've been on, I, I just literally on a team meeting just before and I brought this up in a team and I said, you know, one of the things that is so interesting is this constant of, when someone disagrees with something, when someone doesn't look like us, when someone is what we think is beating against what is we're working towards, that we go, oh, we should get rid of that person or that person shouldn't be a part of the team. And I go, no, that's why they should be a part of this right now because I want to make sure that I've always got someone on my team and my company that is kind of like the no person because. They need, I need to hear why they would even consider to say no at, at this point to what I'm suggesting or why before I'm making that decision on it. And I just think we're losing respect and it's so easy in a lot of ways to inject people outside and to go, well, let's just exclude you from here. Because yeah. actually when I exclude you, then that's not going to bring in disruption into what we're trying to do here. Or you don't look like us, so let's not bring you in on this. Uh, because I'm uncomfortable with that right now. Yeah, which again goes back to the individual, right? Because where does that uncomfortable come from? Where does that lack of respect come from? Where does that concern about a difference of opinion come from? It comes from the individual themselves not having the strength of themselves, the confidence of themselves to be willing to engage as a human to human. Because what happens when we're challenged somebody says something I call it the itchy jacket like oh it just triggers something in you oh how annoying are those the itchy jacket itchy itchy jacket happens or or you're starting to feel your heart rate rising uh or 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 you've got to get some words out to defend yourself it's actually not about them at all it's all about you it's all about you and and this is where that's when I talk about 
the judgment piece, it's the, the curiosity, the judgment, the respect, the engaging, the connection, the collaboration is all just words. You cannot do any of that stuff until you actually connect with yourself, stop judging yourself, get curious about your own unconscious bias, get, get curious. When the itchy jacket comes in, actually what you should do is stop and go, why am I finding this uncomfortable? What is being challenged here? Why have I switched off my listening? Why have I gone into judgment? Because it's something about myself. And often it's because your own hunger, your own desire for success is being challenged. You're challenged because your ego is taking a beating. Like suddenly you're not in the room anymore. So some people, that is where the itchy jacket and the conflict comes in and they stop listening to the individual the power battle that can go on or even their sense of not being liked anymore and they go into conflict because that feeling is the reason we hate the conflict around the table or we don't we we move away from bringing diversity of thought and opinion and challenge into the table is actually to protect ourselves and those leaders that are strong enough brave enough curious enough to actually realize that right now if we're going to navigate these massively uncertain times where there are no rules, where there's no evidence, where there's no backup, where we've never been here before, we have to be brave enough to play on the edges. We've got to be brave enough to embrace the difference of opinion, to embrace the diversity of thought, to be challenged outside the box because it's on the edges that we're going to find the solutions. Mm the solutions with the same thinking around the table that we've had before and you talk about respect yes but it starts with you it starts with you being willing to be curious about the human being and when you're feeling like you're going into battle it's about yourself it's your own shit that's getting in the way the yeah. own biases your own concern about your ego your power your lack of being liked it's yourself and you've got to read this is where the work happens mm -hmm. if we are going to connect better than ever before and when I talk about connection it's not just let me meet you Kira Moran let's have a cup of coffee it's true connection it's how mm -hmm. do we thinking and ideas and data and skills and people and experience how do we reconnect and, and how do we deliver a coffee when she's in isolation and she needs a coffee <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah, that moment is has left an imprint on my my world you know i really i really value that sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but here's the thing now bring it back to you. Have you always been this confident, this person that respects without biases? Like, tell me, what, what's that look like for you? God, no. God, no. I mean, I grew up in a working class, massively, massive, I grew up in the north of England in the Thatcher years. I grew up with minor strikes. I grew up, my, my family was a, my dad was a farmer, a poultry farmer. He's grandparents were minors you know I grew up surrounded by conversations around them and us northerners versus southerners the rich folks down south I grew up with Thatcher doesn't get us it was all about money it was all about the immigrants taking our jobs it was all this scarcity so I grew up masses of amounts of scarcity around us I grew up in a male dominated family 
where I can still remember as a kid one Christmas I got the nurse's outfit and my brother and male cousins got the toy machine guns and I got plonked under the stairs waiting for the army to come home and going, what the hell am I doing? You know, my mum was the housewife and I grew up really with this very confused about what my my role should be and how it presented itself to start with was the the whole I, I know I can do things differently they I, as a woman I should be able to do this I got very feisty but inside I was struggling with confidence I didn't feel good enough um, because mm-hmm. my reference was we aren't we're poor we have no money we're farmers the rich folk down south blah 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 so I grew up really with this lack of confidence at university you know, I was the quiet one I just constantly watch and observe and I've had to do well so- that gap has definitely widened I know, not so I- much the quiet one now <laughs> is and this is um so when I look at my work and my career it really was about one proving I was good enough I was literally driven I reckon for 39 years of proving I was good enough and this constant proving and striving for more this constant cycle of trying to get better starting all over again comparing myself with others worrying if I was good enough actually you all but at 39, I remember going, God, this is friggin' exhausting. This is so exhausting. Yeah. And work was very much around, as I said, sticking up for the underdog. Um, so even in my corporate work, I'd stick up for the underdog. I would work with the small suppliers. Um, I then started working with small business owners or with women or for underprivileged kids or sticking up for the person that was being bullied in the playground. Mm. I was Underdog, which actually is a reflection of myself, right? Started doing a whole heap of coaching and and that's uh, literally engaging coaches for me. And it was really unpacking where this fire was coming from. What I subsequently really learned is that I have a job to do. And the only thing that will get in the way of me doing what I've been put on this planet to do will be myself. And so I've had to learn to start loving myself again to start knowing that I do have an opinion and that's okay and people may not like it, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Start embracing who I am, warts and all. Stop hiding it. Stop faking it till you make it and just go, this is me. And once I started stepping into this place, it was like this shift, this place of moving from striving and proving and it being really hard work to this place of flow, this place of, wow, you know, there's this this whole thing out there. And now I'm a bit of a sucker for punishment, actually, because I actually force myself to get frightened. I force myself, a bit like the work we're doing together, Kimberly, I force yes. myself to go, I've not been here before and this is really scary. I force myself to, you know, get on stage with thousands of people. I force myself to yeah. do something I've not done before because I see it as a learning experience and it's that gift of knowing that, Every single thing I do, every single interaction I have, every single way I respond, whether it be the barista, the cafe owner, Mm. the the friend, has a ripple effect. And I I try very, very hard to, if I look over here, my my three values in my business are for me. A one, to be fair without judgment, which Mm. I've very, very hard to get curious about what is it about me that's judging 
this individual, this person, because it's all about me. So to be fair with that, to always be curious about possibility. So I am not a known person. I'm always a what if, how can we, we can make this happen person. And the final one for me is absolutely connecting with intent, about getting very curious about how to help other people and how I can serve. And I think when you get into a place of service, when you get into a place of attention out, when you realize that the more that you can learn yourself, it never stops. It never mm. stops. You know, people say to me, when are you going to stop doing this? When are you going to retire? It's never going to stop because for me, I'm a I'm a constant developer of self because by doing that, I know that the impact that I can help other people with is phenomenal. So it's been a lifelong, a lifelong challenge, a lifelong journey, lots and lots of tumbles, falls, stumbles, hiccups along the way, lots of tears, lots of loneliness, lots of self-beating up. Um, yeah. But now it's about going, and I still do that stuff, but I can get myself out of it better um, mm. because I attention and work. Oh, I love that. You know what's interesting about it is if you think about what we began talking about of how the gap is so wide with the global challenges that are happening, right? And then and then it was like bringing it back to going, well, okay, if these are the big challenges, then what are kind of the small shifts that we can keep moving it forward? And I just think about if you think of even just you personally, where you started out, your story, what was being told, the environment that you were in, the thinking that was kind of starting to develop in, in who you were and was creating who you were, you then took that and where the gap was quite wide from where you are now compared to where you were there, you began this work. And I think part of, and, and this is one of the other fundamentals of leadership that I really believe is part of it, the thing that is so necessary for leaders in this new approach and that is sustainability you see that didn't happen overnight that wasn't a one night flash and all of a sudden you change from this is my story to this over here is my story it was a journey and it, and that's what i believe that leadership is a journey and that part of that is this evolving part of that is us you know not having these proven things that this is how it's worked and and if you do these three principles then this will be the outcome and this will make everyone perfect leaders across the global leadership landscape i wish it was that easy it is not and we don't do life like that so why would we do leadership like that you know and i think you know that sustainability side for those that play at a big level and want to play at a much bigger level across the globe as well that this is an interesting concept because the ones that i see that make it along and play at such a big space are those that can work and have started exercising sustainability as part of their um, muscle, you know, and and that's not actually an easy thing. And it's not something that I realized was a normal for many people. And a lot of what is taught is, okay, make this decision, set this goal and, and get that. The reason there's lots of people that don't do New Year's resolutions because they fail at it is because a lot of those don't happen by you just making a choice doing one action and getting a result. These are sustainable things that actually things that are long-term and you've got to keep at it even when all those challenges come your way, even when things that are uncertain rock your world, right? What do you think when you hear all that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think there's 
those foundation pieces to you as an individual almost have to become the non-negotiables to sustain your performance over time. We're in this for the long run. Mm -hmm. Every generation has a job to do. Every generation has a job to do to drive change. And this is really why for a long time I didn't look after myself when I was in that striving, proving mode, you know, Whilst in that striving proving mode, I had three kids. I had three of them under five at one stage. Um, I went back to work full time. First one, five months, I went back to work full time. Second one, two months. And then I decided to try maternity leave. And the third one, 10 months. You know, life was mental. And essentially, I was all about other people. Um, I was mm-hmm. doing to be the mom I was trying to be the leader I was looking after my team I was reporting into the US head office I was looking after the media I was reporting to the Australian office I was give 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 and mm. I was like I'm sorry I know it's early in the morning but by the end of it I was <laughs> and how it presented itself yeah. was that the fire went out I was just the fire went out I was a walking robot of myself and many leaders, by the way, get burnout. That's what this is. Totally. Versus, and I totally believe that this is the challenge right now when we talk about sustainability. If we're not careful, we are at risk of being robots of life versus these humans of extraordinary. Exactly. Yes. And to do that, you cannot, you've got to take ownership. You cannot blame the boss, the company, my lack of time, email, Zoom, economy, people. You've got to take ownership and go, what about this do I have to do? Because no one's going to write on your gravestone, thanks for attending all those meetings or for calling your inbox. Thanks for giving me all those likes, those loves. (laughs) And, And if you are about serving other people, which every single leader should be, it should be about actually my job here is to serve other people, to create the right for other people to thrive then you've got to be at your best which means the fundamentals now where I think it's fallen down for so many is once again they've picked up the book they've listened mm-hmm. to the podcast they followed the latest trend of seven easy steps something five way life's gonna change because you need to get on clubhouse oh sorry did I slip that one in there yeah and, and so they try and fit themselves into whatever box is trendy right now it's it's not working out for yourself you've got to take some ownership like stop expecting everyone to give you your injection of energy it's like you've got to work it out for yourself what works for me may not work for you may not work for family kids I know I get I have to get up at 5 30 I have to exercise I have to meditate I have to journal Mm. Um, what I'm eating I have to surround myself with awesome people to have great conversations to inspire my mind all of that stuff keeps me good and when I start falling you also have to I know one of your things is you have to kind of flesh out things in your head for a little bit a space where you can go and do that absolutely absolutely Mm. I've learned all this stuff and so I force it into my diary and of course life happens and you go, I'll just grab that takeaway tonight. I'll have a later night. I'll watch Netflix for three nights in a row. And you feel like shit. And actually the ownership piece is going, bloody hell, I've done it again. Recorrect, recorrect. And it's that foundation stuff that creates the sustainability. If mm-hmm. we it, we get stale. If as leaders we don't keep being curious, we don't keep learning, we don't keep yeah. thinking 
how can I become better? We become these are the foundational stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I, said. I think every generation has a job to do. Our generation has mm -hmm. a job to do. If I think about the workplace, and I think you know, I I turned fifty this year, so you can put me in whatever. Yeah, I got my ears pierced for the second time at the charge of my daughter. God knows what, what other things they do this year. Skateboarding, whatever. Anyway, I think, you know, our challenge, if you look at us in the workforce, many of us are banging our heads up against whatever ceiling it is. If you're at that senior level, if you've really mm -hmm. hit the mark, you are surrounded by the traditional way of leading. Yes. And it's going to take a lot, of, a lot of guts to change it. The other thing, too, is your bonuses, your pay, everything else is wrapped up of how we have led and traditionally got there. So you're up against that. At the same time, under here, there's, there are people watching us. There are people curious about how it's changing. There are mm -hmm. leaders looking at how to do things differently. And so this is where I think our generation of leaders has a massive job to do because yes. we've got to challenge the norm. We've got to push through that box. We've got to be brave enough to, to speak up, to mm -hmm. to challenge the thinking, to think outside the box, to actually talk about how we're feeling and about being brave enough to do things differently. And the reason we've got to do it, most importantly, is to signal to these next lot of leaders that it's possible. Because if we don't, these new, beautiful, amazing leaders that are going to change the world next will leave. They'll do their own thing. And there is no way we need them in. We need this momentum to keep going so that businesses continue to thrive. And our job, our job is to inspire other people to do the work that is needed right now to navigate through all of this to get to a better future. That fundamentally is our job. How do we How do we reframe, recreate and do it in a sustainable way that other people go, I want that too, and I'm going to add my next bit of genius too. And that's why it's tricky because the easiest thing is to conform. The easiest thing is to do everything in the way we've done it before. The easiest thing is to get that promotion, to get that bonus, and to then get wrapped in your own world of that versus tapping into the ability to change things. All of that, Kira Marie, needs us to be sustainable. It needs us to have the strength, the energy, the passion, the conviction to actually keep going. Because when you're tired and exhausted, you give up, you go into conformity. Yeah. And I think interesting enough, like you've 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 spoken so beautifully on all those points. Interesting enough. It's so now that we're aware of this, I don't know that that's so easy for leaders to do it as a sustainability thing to continue. And I, I've thought about this a lot because I saw, like you said, by the end of last year, so many leaders felt that they had worked, myself included, by the way, in this, had never worked so hard as last year. There were some amazing wins. There was amazing challenges in last year. By the end of the year, and I am, I would say I'm pretty good at this, right? And that is the sustainability of the balance of what that needs to look like to keep me balanced. And that means balanced as in to keep me not stressed, to keep me fueled, to keep me as an energy-wise, thinking-wise, physically, emotionally, all of those things make up the whole of me. And I thought about this a lot at the end of the year and I was like, I'm exhausted. 
I'm so exhausted and I'm hearing it nonstop from leaders. And I thought, hey, if we had to sustain this because it's not going away overnight, how do we do this better? And I started thinking about some of the things that I talk about and, and part of that is curating spaces. And I was like, okay, so if I'm curating spaces, even in my office, the fact that I'm in a space where I am constantly on Zooms, I'm constantly now, I don't move because I have to be in the spot, it's all online, it's not face-to-face, you're not traveling to get to a place, there's not those interactions, there's not that that sort of breathing space sometimes, right? How do I do that? And I thought about that in a real practical way. And, and part of what I'm doing with my office space is curating spaces. So here's the place I have all these kind of conversations, right? Over there, I've got a place where I do all the training, all the meetings and all that sort of stuff. And over here in the afternoons, I have a space on my table and it's just where I tend to not use any of the technical stuff, any of the devices, and I'm back on my pencil and eraser and my paper, you know, like literally. And I've done that on purpose because it's created or curated these spaces and I've got lots of different areas but those are the kind of the three main ones and I've done it because it changes my state when I'm in that place it changes how I feel and sometimes when I've got phone um, things or even a meeting that I can that I there's a gap in that meeting I can zoom while I'm walking back and forward up top, right, of my veranda or I've got a seating area out there that I can take some of my, my, you know, when I'm doing some things that I don't need to be in, in all these spaces here. I could sit outside, have some fresh air, but, but use it. And I've done that on purpose because it's like I need to refuel all the time and there wasn't enough of that last year because I was on these screens and I was in the same spot and I never moved from that. And that meant that I was being drained. So I was giving out of a pot that eventually had nothing in it. I love that. And I think what you're talking to there is a realisation that you have to own the next and be intentional about what you do. Mm. I agree. By the end of last year, I was fried. And I can't remember the last time I felt as fried. I mean, you and I bumped into each other, I think, and you just picked up energetically that I was like, ah! But I cried from, even though I was still doing all the foundational stuff, it was exactly the same. I was fried because I was constantly in front of the screen, working crazy hours, didn't have that pause and that gap in the day. It came with travel, international travel, Mm. or going even into office. The other challenge I had is because everything looks the same. um, Prior, when I do workshops and go into offices or training or keynotes or whatever, my brain would be able to attach that person to that location. Mm. Suddenly everybody and everything looks the same. And I was like, oh, my God, like what have I spoken to you about before? When did we like It's so true. (laughs) And so I think that's part of that going back to what I I said earlier. It's like choosing what you're going to leave behind and part of that for me is I've got to change how I work. I've got to be intentional about gaps between stuff. I've got to force the gap of the equivalent of commuting to an office or getting on that plane or sitting in that taxi. I've got to force that time into my calendar now because the plane allowed me to decompress. 
you know, that's when I do my, often I do meditation or I just shut my eyes or I'd re-energize. Suddenly we haven't got that. And for many leaders, the sanctuary that they had, so the sanctuary mm-hmm. of suddenly disappeared because home and work became so intertwined. The sanctuary when we were in full lockdown, as many of, of you know, our colleagues around the world still are, the sanctuary mm-hmm. of going to of walking around a park, of commuting on a train, all of it went. And so our sanctuary, our safe space, our place of re-energizing disappeared. Yeah. And what we have to do as part of this sustainability thing is take ownership and go, how do I force that into my world? Now, the challenge is if you haven't got the space, how do you do that? Mm. You've got space to create and curate spaces. It's awesome. But what about if you're having to work on the kitchen table or if you're living in a one-bedroom unit or you're in a house share or you've got little kids running around? You know, you've got all of that added. I used to, you know, you know I was on the road. I was on the road for um, officially at least three years. We did a lot of on the road before that and, you know, I was kind of known as the nomadic CEO. I I learned to curate and that's kind of where I, it came from, this whole concept was I learned to do that on the road. I learned to do it in small spaces. I learned to get one little small space that became my office space. That The rest of it and having children that were autistic, one of the things that I learned as a, a strategy was to make sure that you, as soon as you arrived at a place, you set up their spaces. Because that became their safe space, even though there was much uncertainty, you know, in their environment. And so that was really important. It's learning these little things that you do, even when there's always forever changing, but those things that refuel. And that comes around to this awareness of what is it that refuels you? For us, it's um, physical. We like to get out. We like to have outside you know, going for walks, having breathing. You know, I I received yesterday those two little medals of, you know, the Wombat Waddle and the Tasmanian whatever it was. Um, and I just laugh because those little things are actually big things for me because that was an achievement in the physical, which was such a challenge for, well, it's been a 12-year challenge for me, right? And I just always knew that I was continuously working towards a goal. And uh, that was kind of like little celebrations of some, some cool wins that have helped to show that I am moving forward. And I think that's something we don't do well often in what we're doing. Leaders are often very good at celebrating your community, celebrating, you know, being part of a bigger change, but often we don't hear about you celebrating you and and how you've had to push through even when and give out to a community even when maybe you had felt like there was not much to give, right? Those things I'm learning to do much better. And so for me yesterday, when I got those little medals, it was like, good on you, Kira Marie. Like that was a good moment. This has been a hard journey for you. And, you know, it was a recogni- it was a recognition of a lot of hard work to get me to that point. And I, you know, it's funny because one of them was Wombat Waddle. And I so related to the wombat waddle one. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of like that wombat that's waddling. But I got there and achieved it. And that's the main thing, right? That it goes back to that whole, you know, perfection's actually going to hold you back. Things like that, judgment, biases, you know, being stuck in your conditioning. All those things are not beneficial for adding value and moving us and shifting us from problem to solution. Well, I think what you... What you're also talking to is this need to, for each of us, mm-hmm. how to create the space to think. 
And we've come out of, you know, Christmas and holiday period and I think people have enjoyed it. And I would mm. yeah, I've gone, what are the what are the bits that I've enjoyed? What are the bits that I'm gonna take into work now? Because the easiest thing is we go back to how we were working, we go back to listening to external demands, we go back to saying yes to every Zoom meeting, we go back to that craziness. Yes. And whether it be creating spaces, whether it be going for a, one of my rituals is when I finish a call, I go out, walk to the coffee shop and back, and mm. it's just like we set space. I think the biggest competitive, competitive advantage each of us has as leaders, which we all are, your leaders of communities, your leaders of big businesses, small mm. businesses, the biggest competitive advantage you have is what you think. Yeah. What you think. So if you haven't got the space to think, if you haven't got the space to percolate, if you haven't got the space to get perspective, if you haven't got the space to scribble and write and, like, you know, you said one of mine is I need the space to be with people that think that will push my thinking, that will allow me mm. to. If I don't have that, I, like, feel constrained and I'm not operating. Yeah. So how can you create that? And I think every leader needs to get curious about how do I create that space to reset mm-hmm to make sure that I am thinking clearly, to make sure that I am able to get on the balcony and look at what's going on and if I missed any missing pieces here, what's really going on for individuals, why is this a challenge right now, where is the opportunity? If you don't have time to do that, things won't change. And that's the biggest gift you can give yourself and and give the people around you. It all comes back to you. It all comes back to you. Mm-hmm. So that you're like, that impact and help other people, encourage, inspire other people to do the work that's needed right now, Um, work that's needed now, today, tomorrow, for the next 30 days. Love that. Okay, so if people want to know more about, you know, coming on the journey with you or what you do, how do they do do that? What's the best way to connect with you? I am on every platform, but connect with me through LinkedIn or Messenger. Just send me a message at Janine Garner or find me at my website, Janine at JanineGarner.com.au. I love that. Do you know what? We have have circled around so many things. We've gone longer today because of the technical things. So I just wanted to make sure we gave you the space to be able to to drop those amazing droplets of wisdom that you have today. I've, I've loved every single moment of it. But I asked this question of everyone at the end of this, this, the decision table. And that is, what have you got from today? What are you going to take on board? Maybe it's an insight that you've gone, oh, I want to go deeper in that or an action. What is it that you're taking from our conversation today? Well, first of all, all the power of conversation. You've very clearly untapped in our conversation and in the conversations you've had with other people is the power, the opportunity, the the inspiration, the ideas that exist when you create the space to have a conversation, when Mm. you're not going from one thing to the other and the willingness to go deep. So what I'm thinking about is how do I get more of these style of conversations into as part of my cadence of work? Yeah. Creating that space. The other thing I loved and taking from you is to be much more intentional about creating the spaces in my home studio and office. So I've got mm-hmm. this for this work, I've got the space to do work. But what I need to be more intentional about is a space to actually think. I've got to create that space. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that gift. And the other, the final thing is just inspired at 
if we as two individuals that have only recently really mm -hmm. friends and contacts can have these ideas, imagine the impact that more of us can have. Mm, and that so really excites me. That, that is an opportunity, I think, that really exists as a gift of COVID, that it's mm -hmm. brought to open up the conversation there is a global awareness that things have to change, which means that there's a huge opportunity for us to start to engage and to drive a conversation that's very different to one we've had before. And that's, that really inspires me. That excites me. Mm -hmm. That's the is what keeps me going because that's where we can truly impact our communities, our teams, our organisations and the planet if we actually start having a real conversations. Yeah, and it takes us from where we began of where gap becomes so wide to going, hey, this is actually doable. This is possible to keep shifting forward and closing that gap. I love that. My thing that I've got from today's conversation is definitely every single conversation, but today again is just impressed on this so much. And that is what you just said before, which was the whole, there's such a need for these conversations in a much bigger way. And uh, like you said, like there was one two people here and we got this out of just a conversation within an hour kind of thing give or take a few extra minutes with technical issues but you know imagine and I think that's what I want to imagine is I want to I want to spend time imagining you know every day I have to do 10 minutes visualizing and today I'm going to be doing my 10 minutes visualizing on how we truly, like I know already with team, we've talked about this of having bigger conversations, bringing other people in as a bigger platform, open platform. How can I get that happening now? And, and to do that and to bring more of us on a conversation to spread out more awareness across the global leadership landscape. And really just, you know, I, I always say leadership because that's, an area in which I work very strongly in, but really it comes down to what I see so important and that is, and you've brought it up yourself, you know, humanity, humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. And it's like, oh, so powerful when you have, when you can go deep and you're willing to go deep. And if we are willing to do that, and do it in an open forum we we don't have it all right and we're gonna say things that are not right and not kosher and not you know but we i mean the fundamentals of it is that we want to see respect we want to see empathy and leadership we want to see compassion we want human connection we want people to have voice we want people to realize that you know contribution is not a nice thing to do but is a necessity at the table all these things that you know we could have held and just had this conversation on our own but we've you know both of us been willing to to open it up and and to have it so i am so grateful for you janine i'm so grateful for your willingness to do that and for your willingness to pursue with the technology today, even though that was uncomfortable. But I think also go down deeper, deeper, deeper levels because I, you know that I push beyond. Like sometimes, and I think this has been a lot in conversations in open platforms even, when people have started to go down deep, 
I push it down even deeper levels. And and then I bring it back to going, okay, so how does that work for you? Because it's, we can, you know, there's a lot of awareness starting to happen around problems. There's a lot of awareness that starts happening around, we know there's big issues. We know there's challenges. You just look at social media. You just look at the feeds. You just look at articles being written. We know that this is a truth, right? You'd have to be pretty blind not to see that. What we're not so sure of and what is not so easy to to navigate in uncertain pathways is this whole conversation around, well, now that we know the problem, what are the actual solutions? And even if we start going, some of these are good solutions and that looks good, we're going, that gap is too wide. That gap is too wide. We don't even know how to even begin to move over to that. And so it becomes... I'll just give it to you, Janine. You do that. You've got a purpose in life. So whew, she'll be, she'll represent the woman. She'll represent the human race. She'll represent whatever, right? She'll be the leader for us. I'll just, I'll just support her. And I think a lot of that ownership has to come back to us. What are we going to do? And if I do my bit, you do your bit, we start shifting the dial yeah. forward. I had the joy of meeting. I'll just wrap it up with this because I think this yeah. will help people put into context what you said as well. I met the amazing Abigail Disney a few years ago. I was lucky enough to have lunch with her. It's one of those wish I could bottle it moments. Incredible woman. Look into her. She's insane, the work that she's doing. And I said to her, we were talking about kids, a bit like the conversations we have. And I said, so how do you do it all, Abigail? How do you do X, Y, Z? You know, she's fighting for higher taxes for the rich in the US. She tells, on, you know, tells stories of incredible women around the world. And um, she said to me, Janine, you don't have to pack a backpack and climb Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. You have to choose to be a brick in the wall of change. You simply have to choose to be a brick in the wall of change. And that's what you've created, Kira Marie. You've and cut through the decision table, you have curated uh, individuals and conversations with people that are choosing to be bricks in the wall of change. Oh, and I love that. Imagine mm-hmm. when we bring those bricks together how impactful it could be. So I'm grateful for you. And thank you for also persisting with it. It just shows you we get through it. It's not about the technology. It's about the conversation. It's not about the conversation. So, yeah, I'm grateful for everything you do. Your way your brain works is inspiring. The way that you present yourself to the world and the gift that you give to the world, everybody up. And for that reason, I'm here whenever you need me supporting you all the way, girlfriend. Oh, I love that. And I reckon we'll be having more of a conversation around how we can bring this conversation to a wider environment. I think that's something that you and I can definitely have more conversation around and I'm looking forward to that. So thank you for being a part of here and I'm going to end this broadcast now. I know everyone, if you were here from the beginning, you have done very well. If you've joined us, then I hope you go back and listen to to many of the different droplets of wisdom throughout here. Do share it with people because that's part of creating an awareness out to the world is that, you know, other people get to hear this conversation. That's why we're having it on an open forum so that it's not just for us. 
it's not just for you it's for those that maybe you know in your world could benefit from maybe starting to being more curious in their conversations and this will start some some little curious questions that could be really beneficial so thank you and thank you janine so i'm ending this broadcast now amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe ensure you leave an awesome rating and review our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next leaders movement parlay the link is in the show notes we appreciate you Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.